0: Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any person's living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man... I take pride in the words, Ish bin Ein. Science! Science! <laughs> science! I know that human beings and science, science. can coexist peacefully. <laughs> this, without finding. Petri-Dish. Hey everyone, this is Petri dish. I'm Sean. I'm Nathan. And today we are going to talk about booze and hangover science. Sean, did you know that gin used to be called Dutch Courage? (laughs) And it's because the Dutch brought gin. And the British were like, you're drunk all the time. But then the British started drinking it. And now they're drunk all the time. Did the Dutch bring it in the that William and Mary coming over in the Glorious Revolution? Yeah, that was exactly the event. Oh. 1688 was the emergence of gin in England, and it's been oh, downhill ever since. Holy shit! Yeah, you can actually draw a direct line from Dutch courage in sixteen eighty eight to Brexit. <laughs> 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 Certainly <laughs> to the making of Boris Johnson. In the beginning of their collective stupidity. It's kind of just all downhill. Oh, man, up. they were great before that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all that Shakespeare shit. Yeah. Okay, so this is the first recording of the new year. Oh, yeah. But not the first episode of the new year, but the first recording of the new year. And, oh, that's true. You know, we've all recovered from our hangover since then. Did you do anything special to recover from your hangover? I didn't have hangovers. What? Yeah, so I have this like special thing where I take electrolytes, and I sprinkle it into a little bit of catnip. Okay, and I throw that with kimchi, what the fuck? and I microwave it for thirty minutes. Oh no, okay, wait I, thirty minutes. Yeah, I wait till I hear the seventeenth pop. Okay, and I know by then that the microwaves <laughs> has made a lot of little Dr. Manhattan's. Okay. And I eat that, and I use their, I use their power, <laughs> and I can repair myself. Holy shit! Is that before or after drinking? Uh, I mean, I, I, I've only ever done it after I started drinking. <laughs> yeah, okay, I yeah. got you. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like my way of making stem cells, basically. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catnip, okay. secret ingredient. <laughs> Do you get hangovers? Yeah, sure. Wow, I guess I got all the good genes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at you. I got the- <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, kids. Don't drink and drive. okay? Oh, wow, okay. That's important. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I don't think it's Republican for me to say that. It's important for kids to not drink and drive. I know you looked at me disapprovingly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Nathan, don't moralize to the children. Let them drink and drive (laughs) and make their own decisions. I'm like, no, Sean, police state. (laughs) Right. Okay, so we're going to start out talking about booze and then we're going to shift over to the part i think people have a lot less experience with which is trying to deal with hangovers yeah and i think in general the irony about both alcohol and hangovers is that for how ubiquitous it is in our society and how much it affects people's lives it's kind of murky science actually. Yeah, very much so. That's that was my experience researching it. Scientists that. are always hung over trying to experiment. <laughs> right, yeah. And then they're like yeah. <laughs> all the science is pretty bad and unreproducible. So, let's dive right into it starting out with a little bit about the booze. Some preliminary boozing. <laughs> Okay, guys, we're going to hop into this booze subject by talking about just a little preliminary boozing. The history of booze. How was booze made in the first place? Yeah. Okay, now Sean told me to do the talking. Yeah. Uh, Now, the irony here, though, is I don't drink because I'm... Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm I'm a good boy. (laughs) Oh, you're such a naughty guy. You're the one that peer pressured me in to start drinking. That's true. I did. (laughs) Yeah, you're such a naughty broad. Anyway... Sean's been to rehab three times. You know both history and... Drinking a shitload of stuff. So, tell me a little bit about booze history. What do you got? Okay. So, I know that civilization starts in ancient Mesopotamia. So, I know that we made some booze there. (laughs) That's true. It's at least as old as sitting around with wheat. Yeah. And I know Chinese people also had it. I guess I don't know that. I just intuit it. I think you're right, though, that kind of any place that people were sitting around long enough... Right. ...to kind of through something okay. Hunter gatherers probably had it too though and we just don't have physical evidence because they walked around all the time right yeah so basically the main physical evidence we have is from jugs right and we've taken those jugs and we've been able to detect alcoholic residue on the inside so you know we're talking like 7,000 bce and at this point we're talking about really just fermenting old gross grains right yeah we ferment grains we drink that gnarly shit It's not until much later till, ironically, in the Arab world, they start to really, really figure out distillation. Right. And distillation is how we get stuff where, you know, you have the really high alcohol content. Yeah. And it gets real tasty. And so that's like the ninth century. So we're talking way later, almost 8,000 years later. And then from there, it spread to like Europe and Asia and all that shit. So then, now that we've talked about a little bit of the history, right, all over the place... We got the you know fermentation. We got the distillation. Now it's like, how do we make the booze? Well, this is where the science comes in. So you need to take some kind of feedstock that has some kind of sugars in it, some kind of carbohydrates, and then you give that to yeast in usually conditions that are called anaerobic. So there's no oxygen around. Mm. And then they uh, take that food and they eat it up, and then they poop out ethanol and carbon dioxide. How is products. yeast alive with no oxygen? I thought everything needed oxygen. So definitely not. Everything needs oxygen. But, but most of the things that don't need oxygen are single celled. Listen like to our previous episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The you, you extremophilic boys. <laughs> and so yeast can definitely survive without oxygen. It's just what that does is it makes it so they can't use their electron transport chain in their mitochondria. Okay. So when you can't use your mitochondria to make all of that tasty ATP, mm. right, you need to focus more on the glycolysis side. And the glycolysis. Has sort of this like side reaction you can do that gets you that ATP, but it involves also making ethanol and carbon dioxide. In the okay, process. so we kind of waterboard these yeast. Yep. And the byproduct is they make us the good shit. Yes. Okay. And you want to try to ensure that the conditions are such that you don't have other bacteria and stuff growing because there are anaerobic bacteria that also like to eat carbohydrates. How do you even sort that? Yeah, so sometimes that means having to have it at different temperatures or different pH or adding different kinds of things in there. Jeez. That can be sort of antimicrobial towards the bacteria, stuff like that. And then sometimes, I mean, back way back when, it was kind of more luck. Right. right? Like some pots would turn out shitty and some pots would be good. Sure. Right, like with sake, when they were chewing up the rice and spitting it into the pot, they were introducing a lot of yeast and bacteria in there. Right, you're kind of just hoping for the best there. You're exactly. shooting in the dark. Right. And so, you know kind of depending on what you use as the feedstock will end up being these sort of byproducts that can make a lot of the flavor of different alcohols. Like, you know, the other shit from the grapes that aren't the carbohydrates will add a lot of the flavor for the different kinds of grapes, the different kinds of wines that we end up with. And yeah, so I mean, that's more or less how you make booze. And then if you want anything that has a kind of higher alcohol level, then you need to distill it. Okay. To kind of concentrate that alcohol goodness. Okay. You know, all of this stuff, I think a lot of people might know already or have some kind of semblance of an idea about. Right. I think the first big part where science surprisingly has a hard time with all of this is how alcohol affects us biologically. Right. Right. So, like, part of the thing is that ethanol, if you ever look at the molecule ethanol, it's really small. Okay. It's, like, barely bigger than water. Okay. And when you drink it, it goes all over the place in your body. It, like, really does not have a hard time getting into any of your cells. It doesn't have a hard time getting into your brain, all your organs. So that makes it kind of hard for scientists to know for sure who it's hitting and who it's interacting with. Because it's kind of just hitting everything. Yeah, but we do have some clues, mainly because booze definitely makes your brain go poopy, right? You know, you start acting kind of weird. You lose motor function, right? You're kind of stumbling around and everything when you Mm. drink too much alcohol. So we are pretty sure that it has some kind of effect on neurons, that it's actually kind of messing around with the function of your brain. Okay. And so there's actually a lot of receptors that we have now started to figure out. And this is actually, for some of these, the details on like how ethanol interacts with these proteins is like past 10 to 20 years stuff. Cool. Okay. So like neuroscience is driven by alcohol science. (laughs) There's a group of neuroscientists that are hyper-focused on trying to figure out which receptors in the neuron-neuron junctions are responsible for ethanol's effects. Right. In part because... If you figured that out, you could, like, cure hangovers. (laughs) I think actually what they're thinking about the most is alcohol addiction. Oh, well, Yeah. I mean, because in a perfect world, we figure out hangovers, and then we can all just be addicted to alcohol, (laughs) and it won't matter. I think these people want to take care of the addiction first. (laughs) I think you're naive. (laughs) They're paid for. They're paid for by the alcohol, Abby. So, in any case, one of the really big neurotransmitters that's an inhibitory neurotransmitter is called GABA. Okay. And what I mean by inhibitory is that when GABA is released and detected by the GABA receptor. Right. That helps to turn neurons off. So neurons are, you know, they're firing all over the place. Maybe you're anxious about something and so they're just like popping off. Yeah. And then GABA gets released and you start to calm down, which is why some of the drugs that we take for anxiety actually help make GABA do its job better. Ethanol works in a similar kind of way. Ethanol actually binds to the GABA receptor and then makes it more active. So it does its job more in turning off your neurons. Oh, okay. And that's why we get less anxious when we drink. We get more chill We're more DTF. Yeah, it sort of depresses your inhibition. So, so booze is attaching to the receptors. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just GABA. It seems like it affects a lot of other receptors also. Right. Like the NMDA receptor, which is important for memory. Right. Which is why you can forget stuff. It's the same receptor that like ketamine can hit. And make it so that you have disassociative states and you can't remember shit. And then also the glycine receptor, which is important for motor function, which can help explain why you get all stumbly and shit. Hmm. So, you know, there's this kind of burgeoning science where we're kind of better understanding the nitty gritty of what kind of receptors we're hitting and everything like that. I do think one of the major thrusts of that is to try to figure out ways to help people no longer be addicted to alcohol because it does have a sort of self-reinforcing reward cycle. Right. And it is physically and behaviorally addictive. Right. Uh, And so a lot of people can suffer from that. So how about we take a break, and then when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about booze specifically and all the ways that it is bad for your health, Nathan. Right. I'm looking at you. Hey, guys. If you are listening to this, then, you know, you're already a fan of the podcast, and that's great. What you might not know is that while we're recording the podcast, we actually cut out minutes and sometimes even hours of content. Days! (laughs) Uh, Because Nathan's got a real saucy, naughty mouth, and sometimes he gets off topic and says really inappropriate things. But you know, we were listening through and we thought, hey, maybe some of this could actually be funny to some of our listeners. And so we've decided that we're going to try to release it on Patreon for just the Patreon members only. And it's going to cover, you know, all kinds of exciting off-topics, such as... Why one lone hero should have brought a gun to Hogwarts. Why is the sky green and no one else knows? Where's dad? (laughs) Why is he gone? (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, that's the kind of delicious content that you're going to get if you sign up for the Petri Dish Patreon. It starts as low as $1 a month. It's a monthly charge. And you can check it out at patreon.com slash Petri Dish. Guys, remember, science in its truest form is raw and unvarnished. Okay, get the raw science you can. Fuck. <laughs> On Petri Raw Dish. On <laughs> Petri Dish Uncut. Okay, Sean, so I've always been told that booze is good for you. Obviously, if you die from booze, it's now bad for you. But prior to death... That you drink a glass of wine every couple hours. (laughs) (laughs) Every uh, well, I haven't heard that. But if you have a glass of booze like twice a week, you Mm -hmm. know you're gonna not get certain diseases. If you have a shot of whiskey every morning, you're better at jazz. (laughs) You you know, I've I've heard. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) like, but every week you hear in a different pop science article online booze is actually good for you and right. like every mother that we grew up around in manhattan beach cheers with her chardonnay yeah it always has a really high intersectionality with that group it's always like booze makes you do yoga better Karate's <laughs> right. right. pilates right. and booze <laughs> yeah. right it's like always stuff like that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so i will say that it is probably useful for us to at the start distinguish between the sort of moderate slash light drinking versus heavy and chronic drinking right is there a definition for that or is that very loosey-goosey it is Fairly loosey-goosey, but I would say that usually the heavy and chronic drinking is about drinking enough every day to get drunk. Okay. Whereas moderate to light drinking is not drinking every single day and drinking just a little bit of alcohol when you're doing it. So what I will say is that the health benefits for even the moderate to light drinking is controversial and it kind of goes back and forth. Right. Right. And so um, there'll be all sorts of studies that come out that we're about to talk about. But then on the other hand, people are like, it's a poison. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, for example, sometimes you'll find an association between light to moderate drinking and some kind of specific health output. Right. right? Yoga. (laughs) Yeah. Like yoga. But in this case, there was one study where they saw that light to moderate drinking, you see a decrease in blood clots, an increase in HDL which is the quote-unquote good cholesterol. Okay. It's not cholesterol, but whatever. Don't worry about it. And then, don't talk down to me. (laughs) HDL is the shuttle that carries cholesterol. I knew it was a shuttle. So you said HDL, and I knew they were like a FedEx competitor. (laughs) (laughs) So so I was waiting for the bullshit to arrive. Yeah, wait, isn't isn't there one? It's like DHS or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm smart. But even in studies like this, where you see, oh, decreased blood clots, increased HDL, The fact of the matter is that alcohol does stuff all over your body. And realistically, these studies aren't looking at all outcome effects in your body. And issues like how much your liver has to work to process that alcohol, if you're drinking even one glass every single day, and the reactive oxygen species that are getting made and damaging your liver in the process, it's likely that any amount of alcohol is not actually good for you just some of the times it might not be terrible for you right so like there might be these tertiary effects or something at the end of the day it is damaging your liver like maybe there's a correlation with the decrease and blood cots but your liver is going to fail yeah so there's some data that suggests that moderate drinkers maybe live longer than people who abstain i mean that's such a classist thing right it's like people who can Afford Chardonnay. Sure. (laughs) Live longer. Yeah, and there's other studies that show that there's no difference between the two, but both groups definitely live longer than heavy drinkers. Right. So that's why in this conversation I think it's useful to kind of group them apart because the conversation gets way simpler if we just talk about heavy drinkers. Sure. If you're you're drunk every day, you're going to get shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're gonna die on the street. Oh like my. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that was from incest. <laughs> God struck him down for incest, Sean. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> anybody lying in the gutter is because of incest? Not anybody. Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> Didn't he marry his 12 year old cousin? Uh, like real talk. Like like I thought yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she died because God was mad. God wasn't done yet. <laughs> killed Edgar Allan Poe. Shouldn't it just have killed Edgar Allan Poe? Wasn't he the one at fault? Did he really have to take the 12-year-old girl? God is sexist. <laughs> you ever read the Bible, guys? Like, God's a dick. <laughs> I've read Golden <laughs> Compass. He's just some senile douchebag in Metacom. Hashtag HBO. Wait, is the guy's name Metacom in Golden Compass? Metatron. Metatron, okay, because Metacom was definitely like a Native American who, like, puritans were mad at because he was like we need independence and they're like you gotta go <laughs> <laughs> well metatron is also like a really transformers kind of name but that whatever. is true <laughs> anyway i'm not done talking about the health thing oh okay one of the other things i want to mention is that some of the studies will focus on what are called congeners which are the things in booze besides the ethanol and water Oh, okay, like in wine, famously resveratrol. This is like sexy compound. You'll read all kinds of articles about it. But like, oh, how this is the thing. It's anti-cancer, right? So resveratrol is an antioxidant, and antioxidant is another buzzword that everyone's like, oh, antioxidants are clearly good for you, right? So that totally makes up for the alcohol. I'm Doesn't right make any sense. I'm very pro-oxidant, and <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, I'm. I'm... How, how do you do that? How are you pro-oxidant? <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> Idiot. Oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the name. God damn it. Uh, it's true. I don't know what an oxygen yeah, is. Yeah, you f- Okay. Okay, so Reservoir Dogs are in wine. And, yes. And they help. This is like a classic traditional Chinese medicine problem. If there's this thing in wine that's good, why don't we just take that thing and put it in a pill and just eat that pill? Like, right. wine has all the other shit that's bad for you in it. Right. So that's what's beautiful, is that the reason why these articles are getting written is because people have taken it out. And in very high concentrations, right? It can do stuff to cells. Sure, like if you're in a vat of it, you can actually go through space time. Yes, that's cool. Just like Dune, yeah, I got you. I got you. You gotta put your thumb on it, huh? Let the people discover it on their own. I don't know if they're gonna get it. Wait until the Timothy Chalamet movie about Dune comes out. Is is he in? He's gonna be Paul. Oh wow. Okay, that's cool. (laughs) 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 Is Is Army Hammer gonna be in it? (laughs) Can it just be called me by your name too? (laughs) Dune. (laughs) Baron, he's just like. Oh my god! Mostly gay scenes. Fucking a sand (laughs) trap. I can't wait. (laughs) Best episode ever of this show. All right. So resveratrol, concentrated. Yeah. Okay. You take that. You put it on the cells. It kills cancer cells. It can be cardioprotective in mice. It can be neuroprotective in mice. It can be anti-aging in mice. Okay, so like it's not anti-aging in suburban women. I tell you what, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting uh, older and older. They're, they're gonna be so bummed hearing you say that. <laughs> um, so the thing is that when you look in humans and you do these clinical trials with the amount of resveratrol people will take, even in pill form, right? Um, for the most part, resveratrol does not seem to have any huge effect in people. Okay. One way or another. And definitely not in the amount you get from drinking wine, unless you're drinking way too much wine, in which case you're going to totally fuck up your liver and die. Right, 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 sure. It's just not quite worth it. Yeah, it's just, it's not going to work out, right? So the idea that like, oh, well you know red wine is good because it has more resveratrol than white wine it's, right I, that none of that means anything it's the same thing as like oh this rhino horn has like tiny trace amounts of viagra yep. it's gonna make you hard and it's like guys <laughs> like that's not enough horn <laughs> yeah you know yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you need more horn <laughs> you need bathtubs full of horn yeah, yeah yeah, you need um, a bathing rhino and then once we get to just the alcohol stuff everyone knows alcohol fucks you up right, right i mean this is no surprise Right off the bat, liver problems is the biggest thing. But aren't there a lot of hard seltzers now that are actually really healthy for you? (laughs) Like White Claw, isn't it 0% alcohol and 100% resveratrol? What the fuck is White Claw? White Claw's- you, wait, bro? <laughs> no, 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 White Claw, bro? What is it? It's the hard seltzer that's really popular right now. What the fuck is a hard seltzer? Are you saying- We like, have it's... actually come up to the limits of my knowledge, because I've never drunk it. I just- uh, Is it, it like LaCroix with alcohol in it? Yeah, I guess. I think it's kind of a similar vibe. It's supposed to be like low carb and like healthy for you by comparison. You know, like White Claw- <laughs> right. It's 60% of the time You're drunk every time you know? <laughs> uh, Yeah bummed out Okay so uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm like a white I don't know what that is Our listeners think you're dumb <laughs> Yeah yeah, they hate me now oh, sure. But you're handsome <laughs> So liver problems alcoholic-, <laughs> alcoholic hepatitis Is when you get inflammation in your liver From too much alcohol Wait so there's hepatitis A Hepatitis B yep. Hepatitis C yep. And now you tell me there's hepatitis alcohol Yes is that, that is that just hepatitis that A? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No. A through, I think past- A through Z. Th- there's actually a lot of them. i like that. <laughs> so, I don't think it goes all the way up to Z, but I think there's like a, a few more past C. Why are there so many hepatitis? Um. <laughs> what? I don't-, I don't That's think, a real question. Why are there so many hepatitis? I just, I don't think that's how you make that plural, but why are there so many hepatitises? Why? Because that virus likes to kind of evolve into separate strains or whatever and then infect our livers. Oh, okay. That's cool. All hepatitis is getting in your liver? The HEPA part is liver. Oh! Yeah. Okay, my bad. And then the itis part is inflammation. <laughs> yeah. You sound so redneck when you say addis. <laughs> yeah, it's the itis, but <laughs> itis is inflammation. addis. Uh, yeah. It's just like, oh, you got some itis? Use some tussin. Use some tussin. <laughs> <laughs> you got to rub that tussin on it, itis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Okay, uh, so a lot of liver problems. You get hepatitis alcohol. Yes, and that's the inflammation part. But if you do it too much, then you'll start to have scarring form in your liver, and that's called cirrhosis. That's how you spell cirrhosis. Yeah. For you guys who don't know, it's spelled C I R R H O S I S. Yeah, cirrhosis. How, how have you been spelling cirrhosis? Like S C E L I S C I S L English. And then on top. Of hepatitis and cirrhosis, you can also get fatty liver disease. Yeah, you hear which, that, Nathan? I, I have heard of that before. <laughs> and it always just made me think of tuna. Oh, because of like fatty tuna. Yeah, isn't fatty liver good? Like tasting? Yeah. I'm mean, going to ask Cannibal Lecter or something like that. I don't know if... Cannibal Lecter. That's so catchy. Or like foie gras. Isn't like foie gras a yeah. I think so, yeah. And so I, I think that can make it tastier, although I'm not sure that that's... It's bad people's. for the duck. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if that's our goal, yeah. is to make our, our liver tastier. <laughs> Someone else is going to get to eat this. For the cannibals out there. Yeah. But yeah, it's a buildup of fat within the liver cells. Okay. And making them not work very well. So alcohol, very clearly bad for livers. Yep. Okay. It can also cause cancer in the mouth, throat, colon, and liver and breast. Okay, that that that's pretty, but not the other ones though. You're right. Yeah, (laughs) not the skin cancer. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's where your liberal science, okay, is trying to deceive us. The science agenda. Yeah, you say like that's like not even all the cancers. That's like a minority of cancers, Uh, right? Like like we're we're skin cancer. Out of all of the possible cancers, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. It is in the minority. Okay, so cancer more likely with alcohol. And then also addiction and all of the behavioral and cognitive issues that can come with alcohol abuse. But, I mean, that's really people being weak, right? <laughs> like, like, Oh, my God. Just kidding. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> Remember, addiction, addiction is a disease and it's best dealt with, as if a disease rather yeah. than with punitive measures. You, you did a really hard U-turn on that. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. And then also, I don't know if you knew this one, but ethanol can mess around with your immune system. You know, I actually did kind of, I knew that in the same way that like people know that if you have witch's hazel, it'll ward off, you know, dogs. Yeah. That's like folklore. Specifically your adaptive immune system. So ethanol dampens the antigen specific adaptive immune response. So that's the part of your immune system that has memory that makes your antibodies, stuff like that. Okay. But it doesn't dampen your entire immune system. It actually can activate your inflammatory immune system but that's kind of bad right because you don't that's wanna, also bad you yes. don't want to activate your immune system when it shouldn't be activated absolutely right and we'll get it's to like it a, toaster a little oven. bit oven yeah you only want a toaster oven on when you got some stuff to toast see i said yeah to you too early you know <laughs> I, mean? I should have waited for you to complete your thought how is that wrong? It's right, but it's a name. <laughs> <laughs> Not like the innate immune system. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh. oh fucking boy. He's learning. Ethanol can also irritate the cells in your gut. Mm. And it can fuck up your gut microbiome. Oh, wait, we don't want that. No. So my gut microbiome's pretty used to it. There's all kinds of naughty stuff. I have ethanol. my own yeast. Well, yeah, you do. Yeah. Like a lot of it, though. Uh. Like, way, like way more than normal. That's another turn. I'm a medical miracle. That's another dangerous turn to a conversation I don't want to have. i yeasty boy. <laughs> and then what I'll also say is that ethanol, in the process of getting detoxified in your liver, generates reactive oxygen species. Okay, so yeah, what does that mean? So these are live creatures that react to oxygen? That's just me. Right, that's is every person, bro. Okay. Okay, now if it's a sulfur based I'm like I'm gonna you. break it down. For you. <laughs> what it is is it's oxygen that is usually missing or having an extra electron or something like that. Okay. And it makes it really easy for it to react with just any other atom sitting around. So it makes that oxygen hyper reactive. And when it crashes into something, it can break the bond that those atoms were having originally. It can attach itself onto stuff where it's not supposed to be. It generally just wreaks havoc on any of the nearby stuff. It's one of the reasons why hydrogen peroxide is so good at like getting rid of stains or making things not colorful anymore. So when you drink alcohol, you're basically just turning your guts into hydrogen peroxide. Kind of, I mean, in a certain sense, the process of detoxifying alcohol, ethanol, produces reactive oxygen species. So it's kind of dog shit. Yeah, a little bit. Wow. It's not great. I mean, your body's making kind of a hard choice between which thing it's gonna keep around. All right, (laughs) last health thing. Ethanol also can inhibit the production of melatonin. Melatonin is something produced in your brain as a part of your circadian rhythm. It's Mm. part of what makes you feel sleepy. Mm. And ethanol messes up the production of melatonin so it can throw off your circadian rhythm. Oh yeah and get you all fucked up. And it's not good for you, Nathan. It's not good for you. I like my rhythm. But part of that process can also mess up your hormones. Okay. And that can cause issues with things like your circulating levels of testosterone, other hormones and things like ovulation, Nathan. All right. So we have discovered the many ways alcohol is good for you. And also on occasion, maybe bad. (laughs) We're gonna move on to the next section, the section that you guys are waiting to hear. How do we cure your hangovers? Because Dr. Sean has a miracle cure in store for you. Mm. Stay tuned and we're gonna learn, how can you cure your hangover with just three easy steps? (laughs) Hi guys, I'm Donatello Iglesias. It's a new year, a new decade, and I've found new love. Thanks to the dating app, Sixes. It's a dating app where people like me, a two, can finally find someone who they could really love and who could love them back. I, myself a two, have found a beautiful woman. A wonderful person on the inside who's a one. And yes, sometimes I look at threes and occasionally I'll even look at fours and I wonder what what, 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 what could have happened there. But I, I, I don't think about it too much because she's so smart and she's so funny and I know she's the woman for me because we met on sixes. So come to terms with your ugliness and download sixes today. Okay, guys, we're back with Petri Dish. And now we're going to talk about some really important miracle cures. We're going to talk about hangovers, the surprisingly difficult question of what they really are, and how can Dr. Sean cure your hangover? Fuck. Okay. Uh, So, Sean, what is a hangover? (laughs) I've never had one. You've had many. What are they? Man, you saucy broad. You know what a hangover is. And I think that pretty much everyone... Who is of drinking age, and then maybe plus or minus a few years younger than that, know what a hangover is, but... There's a movie franchise. When scientists try to define it... I've seen the movie. They say something like this. Bradley Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) Alcohol! (laughs) You son of a bitch! (laughs) You shut your whore mouth. (laughs) Uh, Open wide. (laughs) Alcohol hangover is defined as the experience of various unpleasant physiological and psychological effects that follow the consumption of high quantities of alcohol. The symptoms occur several hours after alcohol consumption, approximately 10 hours, typically after a blood alcohol content, BAC, is greater than 0.08%. Hangovers can last for several hours or even more than 24 hours. Over 47 symptoms of hangover were identified, the most common symptoms being tiredness, headache, nausea, and And impaired attention. You whiffed that, man. So that's our definition of hangovers. Yeah, and hangovers- And that sounds very unspecific. There's so much vague shit in there. Well, 47 (laughs) symptoms, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of stuff in there, but hangovers can cause impaired neurological function. It makes you more likely to, like, get into a car accident- or have a hard time paying attention at work. How much money do we lose as a nation state, Sean, every yeah, year? $179 billion is wasted in the USA each year because people are hungover. I Guys, I want you to think, how much of that money, if you weren't hungover, would go straight into Michael Bloomberg's pocket? <laughs> right, right. Revolt! Yeah. <laughs> Revolution! Yeah is all just about turning people into dollar signs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so hangovers are pretty deleterious to uh, everything. Yeah, it's not great for you. It's not right. great for like if you got to go into work or something. Some people are resistant to hangovers, actually. There's some really? lucky people. Uh, that between... should be a superhero. I, yeah, I think so. It's Doug. like his name's Doug. He's <laughs> 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 like, does not get hangovers? So there are some people who they can get wasted and then either have mild hangovers or no hangover at all. It's which cool. sort of bears the question of, like, what actually is a hangover on, like, a biological level. If not just psychosomatic. <laughs> yeah, which it probably isn't. Because uh, <laughs> I don't think we would will ourselves to feeling so shitty after having fun drinking. You'd be surprised. <laughs> okay? There's a lot of Hulu shows that, like, they exist and I do feel good watching them. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? You're <laughs> gonna take a dig at Hulu? Yes. Holy shit. Isn't <laughs> Fleabag on Hulu? Uh, no, that's on Amazon. Does Hulu have nothing? Uh, I mean, it has a lot of network stuff. It has a lot of good shows. It's just they don't make those good shows. They just host those good shows. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really? always Sunny's on Hulu. Yeah. They don't make it. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Wow. Hulu's not going to be a sponsor anymore, I'll tell you that. Yeah, they're, damn it. they yeah. are <laughs> withdrawing their sponsorship. I lost the Hulu money. Um. So, what causes hangovers? What causes them? Surprisingly, in science, we are not sure. Okay? We've had a hell of a time trying to figure it out. Because you're drunk. Right. Well, so part of the problem is that... Hangover symptoms kick in when your alcohol levels are going down, and usually you feel the worst when your blood alcohol is pretty much zero. Sure. Because the spiritual effects of your sins are (laughs) most apparent when the alcohol has left your system. Sure, yes. I think a lot of Catholic priests would agree with you, but... Mm, And they have much wisdom that scientists have forgotten. (laughs) <laughs> but so the thing is that there's a lot of physiological effects, right, that getting ass blasted on brandy does to your body. So why is it that brandy, as as you know, my favorite drink, mm-hmm. makes me much more hungover? Yeah. Than clean spirit vodka. Why is that? The congeners. Ah, uh, right, sure. Yeah. Like the like the peasant blood. The for whatever reason, and it, this is also not entirely clear. Having more shit in your alcohol makes it more likely for you to be hungover. And certain things seem to affect people more than other things. So like yeah. brandy and rum, for example, are supposed to make people feel really hungover. Right. And vodka does not make people feel very hungover. That makes sense. Russia would literally not exist. <laughs> if, like if vodka got jazz <laughs> ass president, they couldn't do rum. any of that space program shit right. <laughs> if they were all hungover all the time. Yeah. Fair enough. So, you know, there's these kind of other factors that alcohol consumption causes. Okay. That kind of get mixed in with hangover symptoms. Wait, but first, like, why do Cogeners even matter? Like, why would those make you more hungover or not? Right, I mean, so part of the reason why we're not sure is because we do not know what the physical issue with actually the hangover is. And as I get into this more, as I okay. go through each thing, okay. it'll become clearer why this is so confusing, but it's possible maybe that part of it is immune response related. So, like, you get some weird stuff in wine that is not necessarily the ethanol, but, like, some little, little fucker, some weird chemicals in there. Yeah. And, like, your immune system is like, what's that little fucker? Yeah. And in the course of trying to, like, get rid of this thing, it's really just a little bit of twig. But like your mission is like what the fuck? Yeah. It like overreacts. Yeah, like shits the bed, makes your brain inflamed, right. makes your, you know, liver inflamed. Yeah, so that's possible. For example, sulfites, you'll hear some people saying, like, oh, I don't react well to sulfites. Sure. That might be an immune system thing, an inflammation thing. By the way, is that like a like a real thing? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's real. Okay, that's cool. Um, I mean, arguably, pretty much nobody actually reacts well to sulfites. It's sure. like there's, there's not like a good reaction to it, you know what I mean? Right. If- At the end of the day, we are talking about what is functionally poison. <laughs> yeah, basically. <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are more poisoned by poison in fact in a way they're the lucky ones <laughs> because their bodies reacting oh, appropriately yeah very honestly <laughs> right like all the rest of us are living in these wasp puritan bodies that are just like hide the shame hide <laughs> the shame clean, <laughs> clean 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 you know <laughs> but we're all dying equally as much from our liver damage Ooh, yeah that's a that's a nice way to think about it yeah so part of the reason why this is complicated is that there's two other things kind of wrapped up in being hungover. one of them is dehydration right and the other one is shitty sleep because right, alcohol is a diarrhea right like it, like it makes you. <laughs> yeah it's a diuretic good job that yeah, was so close yeah and then the other thing is sleep disturbance i actually don't know what a diuretic is and literally the reason is because it sounds so much like diarrhea <laughs> that i'm like i like i poop the same <laughs> <laughs> a diuretic is something that makes you produce more urine and get rid of more water Caffeine is an example of a diuretic, diuretic, and alcohol is also a diuretic. Yeah. And so in that process, you get dehydrated. A lot of people don't drink enough water to replenish it. Why do you get dehydrated? Like, what, how does a diuretic function that it would make you dehydrated? It affects your kidneys in such a way oh. that it just literally flushes more water through the system. I thought maybe the coffee was like floating through and it's like, get me more water. And it's like, ah. <laughs> it's like I'm going to take that water. I'm going to take you. So what it does is both of those things affect your brain. Right. And reduces the secretion of something called anti-diuretic hormone. Oh, interesting. So when you reduce anti-diuretic hormone, you then produce more <laughs> urine uh, okay. And just volume Basically, your body's tricked into peeing more than it really needs to. Yes. Interesting. And so in that process, you lose a lot of water. People do not drink enough water to replenish that because yeah. you're drunk and you're not making good decisions. And then the other thing is sleep disturbance. And so alcohol can make you sleepy, but then usually your sleep quality is really poor. You'll like wake up a bunch of times in the middle of the night. Right. So then if one of the kind of classic symptoms of a hangover is being tired... That's and in like part just because you slept shitty. Headaches. Right. Those things can be symptoms of sleep disturbance and dehydration. Out of curiosity, sometimes I'll drink and I'll wake up really early mm-hmm. and like, I'm not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Dad says it's because like all the sugars from the alcohol finally got digested or processed by my body at that point. And so I'm getting kicked up by like all the all the ATP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that is that right at all? That's a good question. You might have kind of like a small amount of extra energy from the dehydration of like some of the sugars and carbohydrates that are hanging out in the alcohol. That's cool. I doubt that that's the reason why you're waking up. Mm -hmm. I'm waking up because in my dream, the man chases me. (laughs) (laughs) And the scissors go, chomp chomp. It's it's the night terrors. It's the night terrors. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, there's all these dehydration issues. And there's all of the sleep disturbance issues. And you know, what they find is that, okay, if you help people stay hydrated, like if you make sure that they stay hydrated throughout the drinking process, they still get hungover. Okay. And they still experience some of those symptoms of the hangover. So while a lot of them might get worse because of dehydration, you'll just, you'll feel extra shitty. Right. Just being hydrated is not actually sufficient to get rid of a hangover. Okay. And then what if we give them Ambien? (laughs) <laughs> to, to sleep better? Yeah. Yeah, that also does not alleviate all of the issues. Yeah, said they just sleepwalk straight into the street. I want to say, taking drugs while consuming alcohol is extremely dangerous. Except Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the love of God, do not do any of the things Nathan says about that. Very dangerous. Yeah. So then, uh, another potential thing that might be causing a hangover is metabolic changes. While your body is breaking down the alcohol. So one of the things that they do know is that there's less of something called gluconeogenesis. Okay. Okay. And what that means. So neogenesis means is a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Too Freudian for my taste. <laughs> neogenesis means making new and glucose talking about glucose. That's why that show's called that. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't it neon? Neon oh, Genesis 7 we'll see. In? I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Very confusing. Anyway, so gluconeogenesis means making your own glucose. Okay. And because you have less of it, people's blood sugar levels can drop while they're hungover. Okay. And alcohol can stimulate insulin production. So you can have kind of like really low glucose levels. You could be hypoglycemic. And you can have these other metabolic issues. Ethanol gets turned into acetaldehyde, which is toxic as hell. That's actually much more toxic than ethanol. But it usually very quickly gets turned into something not very toxic, acetate. And then that whole thing gets kind of filtered out of your body. But you can have increased lactic acid levels. And the higher your lactic acid levels can make you feel more hungover. Mm. One thought is that this hypoglycemia, which is kind of like with some people with diabetes, can make you feel really shitty in your body, right? So you could call a hangover like targeted contextual diabetes <laughs> diabetes is usually a really kind of more specific thing but they do share that in common this is topical diabetes <laughs> <laughs> so they both have this hypoglycemia okay? okay so that was one idea maybe a hangover is just hypoglycemia okay right? so then they did some studies and they give people fructose and they gave them glucose and they give them intravenous glucose and everything to try to keep them normal glycemic the whole time yeah and they succeeded they checked the blood sugar levels and they're like blood sugar levels look good. People still hung over as fuck. So okay. this is an interesting study then. Like you're just giving people hammered. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then in some cases, you're giving them a lot of fruit juice. Yeah. And then in other cases, you're giving them like IV bags with glucose. And it just it didn't matter. Didn't help. They still got hung over. Okay. It's because so, they're not using Sean's Miracle Cure. Listen to the full episode. And I'll tell you. So the hypoglycemia is basically a red herring, right? Mm. And there's a lot of red herrings in mm. Sean's Miracle Cure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah one of the key ingredients is blended red herring. Yeah, really red. <laughs> so, yeah, so you know we mentioned that congeners can affect the severity of hangover. Right. And what's an example of a congenital in um <laughs> in one of these in one of these drinks? Yeah, so aside from like the sulfites and the resveratrol that we mentioned, another example is methanol. So uh, methanol's like bad. In you, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if you drink... Don't we fuel cars with methanol? Or like, no, 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 we make, we make fuel from crops and it turns into methanol, right? A lot of the fuel when you're talking about biofuel is ethanol, the one that we drink. Ah, but that we can't drink that because it's also got methanol. Probably, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So, for example, laboratory ethanol mm-hmm. usually has some methanol mixed in yeah. so that you don't take it home and drink it. Oh, that's interesting. That's not good for you. That's hilarious. So they add the methanol later. Yes. Because otherwise they know you're going to get sauced. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Because they sell it as like 200 proof ethanol. It's pure ethanol. So you could take that and you could water it down with water and basically have vodka. Except it's got methanol in it. Don't do it. Wow. And methanol can do all kinds of terrible things in your body. One of the things is that methanol gets broken down by the same sort of enzymes as ethanol, but it gets turned into formaldehyde. And formaldehyde is very, very bad for you. Isn't that what they preserve things in? Yes. Yeah. Which is a good... So wouldn't you be preserved? If in, you in the kind of way where you'll be very pristine, but very dead. Like one of those suburban moms we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so that is what Chardonnay's doing. And they're there, dead though. on the inside. So so because they use the same enzyme, it's actually one reason why if you have methanol poisoning, yeah. you're supposed to drink ethanol. Oh, because they'll, they'll basically work with the same enzyme, and if you drink enough ethanol, the ethanol will get processed and not turn into formaldehyde. That's cool. And you'll have enough time to go through a kind of more rigorous detoxification process. Okay, so that's a pretty gnarly cogenital that's, like, really fucking with you. What I will say is that drinking a lot of methanol is very bad. Okay? Yeah. But a lot of alcoholic drinks have trace amounts of methanol in it. Okay. Just in the natural process of making, not like it's been added or anything like that. So there is a little bit of methanol in some of your alcohol beverages. It's an allowable amount. It gets tested and like checked to make sure it's not too much or anything, Yeah. but it doesn't feel good. So it probably contributes to hangover severity. Uh. And then, you know, last thing, hangovers are probably related to inflammatory responses. Okay. It's possible that a lot of how we feel about aches and pains and headaches All of those things actually happen during inflammatory responses in your body and it might be because the ethanol is kind of setting that off the ethanol and the congeners so that might be the most reasonable hypothesis as to like what we're feeling with the hangover okay and so in some cases taking something like an ibuprofen before you go to bed after drinking or something like that might be able to take a little bit of the edge off okay okay not acetaminophen Tylenol, not Tylenol. You're just saying a bunch of gibberish words to me now, though. I'm I- 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 ibuprofen's uh, Advil or Motrin. Okay. Okay. Well, what's the difference between ibuprofen and acetaminophen? Yes. So acetaminophen or Tylenol is another pain reliever and also fever reducer. I mean, how does it work differently on a chemical level? Right. Acetaminophen, for whatever reason, also gets processed by your liver and can damage your liver. Okay. Like a lot of times, most people when they take acetaminophen, it doesn't cause any problems. But if it hits your liver when your liver's already working hard and getting fucked up by alcohol, yeah. it can severely damage your liver. Okay. So do not take Tylenol with alcohol. Wish she you had told me last year <laughs> before I needed a new liver. Well, you're dead now, so it's okay. Dude, think about the implications of that. If I was actually dead now, we would be proving undeadness. I would be necessarily a corpse that would still was conscious. We would have defied the natural laws of nature and we'd have... Embarked upon an entirely new field of science. Are you fucking wasted? What the shit is this? No, but think about that. Think about what you said. I'm not. I'm not gonna think about it. (laughs) I'm. I'm alive, and you're dead. (laughs) Oh, you're Schrodinger's titty. I mean, it's a hypothetical because that didn't happen. I'm right. That's what I'm saying. But what if? (laughs) What what if? (laughs) Science is about the what if, Sean. I not that kind of what if. (laughs) That's just dumb. Okay. So that is kind of what is a hangover. I mean, the main takeaway is we're not totally sure, right? Yeah. But then what can you do about it? Yeah. So before you get it, what I will say is that I've read some studies. These studies are moderately questionable in that a lot of them are funded by companies that make something that's supposed to help with hangovers. Right. So there is kind of this monetary aspect with it. But I will relay that information with the caveat that like, you know, who knows? Okay. Right. So one of the things is called a rapid recovery. And it's a product that you take after drinking, but before you go to sleep. And then if you wake up during the night, then you can also drink a little bit of it, like keep it by your bedside. Mm. Right. And it has a bunch of things in it. One of the things it has is cysteine, which is an amino acid. And hypothetically, it's supposed to react with the acetaldehyde, which right. is that toxic thing that right. ethanol gets turned into. The only thing I'll say about that is I don't actually buy that because acetaldehyde gets turned into acetate very quickly in the scheme of things. Mm. But whatever. There's also vitamin C, a bunch of B vitamins, which are supposed to help you kind of feel all jazzed up and energetic. Right. Like B1 and B6. Mm. And then it also has dextrose, which is added for flavor. It's a kind of sugar. And who knows, maybe it gets broken down into glucose and it can help with the hypoglycemia thing. But what I will say is that the study as I read it, both had men and women and was double-blinded, which means that compared to a lot of the other studies I read on stuff kind of like this... It's pretty good. Yeah, like some of these other ones I'm going to be talking about were just done in dudes or like everyone knew what they were taking, you know what I mean? So a double-blinded trial is like an actually pretty well put together one. What they forget to mention is that there was just one man and one woman. (laughs) And they were just blind. (laughs) They just blinded each other. Oh, that was the kind of double-blinded. Yeah. I see. So what they saw with this stuff... The results were self-reported, so people describing how they felt. Yeah. And it was increased general well-being. Okay, well, wait a minute. Increased general well-being just means, like, they feel a little better about their marriage. (laughs) Jobs doing well. They really crushed the meeting with the boss. You know, the economy's not so bad. (laughs) GDP growth's been high. Reduced headaches, reduced nausea, improved cognitive function. Okay. Okay. I think this is only available in Australia. Oh, really? So, go fuck yourself, I guess. Okay. Okay, well then, I mean, but for us people of Asian descent, mom used to just have me suck a ginseng root. Yes, so ginseng juices have been tested out in some trials in, like, Korea, for example. Mm. And for some reason, the studies that I've read only used men. Well, it's Korea. (laughs) And they saw a reduction in headache and nausea. Although their placebo group was pretty dumb. Just a bunch of women who they're like, you don't get a drink. <laughs> How was, do you feel now? It was just like they were complaining that like the juice has a certain kind of flavor. Uh. And they are like, the placebo group knows that they're just drinking water. You know what I mean? So like- that's the problem is they need to not find like Asians. All right. We should get hired by ginseng. Yeah. By the big, ginseng lobby. Big ginseng. Big ginseng. <laughs> okay. So, you know, these things like the ginseng juice and rapid recovery, That stuff you're supposed to take like right after drinking right. or in the night. But like, what about once you actually have your hangover? Right. right? Like what the fuck are you supposed to do then? What's plan right. B? Yeah. So part one is drink some water because aside from being hungover, you're probably dehydrated and that also doesn't feel good. Hey, here's some like folk Nathan Slavic wisdom. Give it to me. Every glass of alcohol, also drink a glass of water. I have never seen you do that. Again, when do you do that? At like harder parties. Than we oh, get together. <laughs> yeah. okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. Because I only see you at like the fancy cocktail parties. That's true. And at cocktail parties, <laughs> I don't want to embarrass myself for drinking water. Right. There's a social stigma around water. It's a at pleb fancy drink. parties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, water's for the poor. <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm at the common parties, <laughs> right. you drink a glass of alcohol, but then drink a glass of water. And sure, you're going to pee more. You're going to pee more anyway, boys. Yeah. You got diarrhea, right? <laughs> diuretic diuretic okay drink some fucking water get some electrolytes into your body right so So, electrolytes real yeah i don't know i just feel like all the people who say it has electrolytes are people who i don't trust oh yes so electrolytes gets used as a buzzword but electrolytes means minerals basically it's like salt what makes them so electric uh it's because they're ions they're charged so they have positive charge and negative charge okay yeah and they are important. They're important for keeping your blood buffered and for a lot of functions inside of cells. And the main thing is that we lose a lot of them by sweating. What does it mean your blood is buffered? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I said that real quick without really kind of going into it. So being a buffered solution means that it has stuff in it that keeps the pH from changing really quickly. Okay. And your blood is slightly basic yeah, it's, I'm basic. It's a pH of 7.4. It's very basic. My blood loves osmosis. <laughs> you're, you're a real basic bitch. Yeah. Um, so your blood is slightly basic, and it really does not like changing by very much. Right, sure. Because you can have all kinds of serious issues with the cells that your blood is, you know, kind of delivering Just shit going to. going in there. Yeah. yeah. So electrolytes are important for that, and then a lot of functions within your body. Okay. okay. So you secrete electrolytes when you sweat and right. stuff like that. Uh, and so you should drink a fruit juice or eat yeah. something. Yeah, get some electrolytes. Aspirin, ibuprofen, acetaminophen, take all of that. Not to get your acetaminophen, (laughs) you son of a bitch. Don't do it. Methanol. It impacts your liver. Don't be so naughty. Okay, now, I've also heard... Remember, we're not a medical podcast, so you shouldn't listen to me or Sean. Right. Maybe acetaminophen is good for you. No! (laughs) No, you son of a bitch. It's not. There's no one you can trust! Oh my god. Are you in the pocket of big Tylenol? (laughs) Yeah. What's Ah, going on here? Who told? (laughs) Okay. While I was looking into this, I've heard of a few interesting things out there. Uh, Something called a Myers cocktail and other IV treatments. Okay. And they are a bag of liquid, water with some things like salt and potassium dissolved in it. And then usually some vitamins, B vitamins, some glucose, vitamin C- and it hangs in a little bag and then you stick a needle in your arm and then the bag just goes directly into your bloodstream. Yeah, That sounds like such a bad idea to me. Uh, not, not in terms of the, like the science necessarily, it just seems like who's poking your arm, right? Because right. Like, what if they miss a vein? Yes. That's a bad thing. Yeah. And what I've seen is advertised as sometimes are things called hangover buses. Have you heard about this? You know, I guess I did read the notes. That's not the right answer, though. No, I actually had not (laughs) before reading the notes. Yes, so there are those hangover buses, and the main idea with the hangover bus is, like, they can drive up to, like, a club at 2 a.m. or something like that. People are staggering out of the club, they can hop into the hangover bus and then sit down while, like, a nurse or something comes up and pops an IV into you. Isn't that the problem, though, is a nurse or something? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think it's a huge problem. (laughs) That sounds terrifying to me. But basically, then they just kind of drive around to the next club while you just like sit back and get this uh, IV bag of stuff going in. There. That sounds way too close to a Nitsoi Sunny joke. <laughs> you know? It, it does sound like a Nitsoi Sunny. Like, joke. that's like definitely Charlie in the B plot is like driving around in a hangover bus, but he accidentally is just putting a morphine into people. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's one of the things I will say is that the IV bags have B vitamins in them. And B vitamins typically make you feel like energized. Like the five hour energy drinks have a lot of B vitamins in them. That's kind of where you get the energy from those. It sort of makes you feel flushed and like you can go out and you can like pump some weights or whatever. So in a certain sense, it kind of masks some of the effects of the hangover. Right. It makes you feel less tired kind of temporarily while you're getting this infusion of B vitamins directly into your bloodstream. But it's not like the American Journal of Psychology did a test on this. So to my knowledge, I have found no clinical trials demonstrating that these help, but I have read some anecdotal reports with people saying that it made them feel a little bit better. Yeah. Though again, it might just be the B vitamins. It's definitely, I will say, for IV administrations, you feel it a lot faster than eating it. Sure. Right? So you can feel the effects really quickly, although it's not as easy as eating something. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. like you, you can just drink a lot of shit. Actually, popping a needle into your vein is a little bit harder to pull off. Yeah, and then the other couple of things I'll mention is like hair of the dog, and then something called prairie oysters. <laughs> uh, I mean, prairie oysters is one of the things that it's like a euphemism, right? Like, <laughs> like you tell the you tell the parents you're gonna go dance the prairie oysters, but you know, <laughs> really getting close to the kids. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, Yeah, slurping oysters. Put a little (laughs) little horseradish on there, make it, make it hot. So let's start with hair of the dog. You know what that is, right? Okay, so hair of the dog is where you drink more. Right. Right. Yeah. Hair of the dog that bit you. Yeah. And hair of the dog kind of works in a certain sense in that usually you do not feel hungover anymore. Right. You for feel now, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Eventually, you will feel shitty. Right. Things will catch up to you. Right. And then usually when you're hungover, your blood alcohol content is gone. Right. All of it's been processed into the acetaldehyde and the acetate. So, like, you're in the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Your liver is already shook. It's not a great time to drink more. Right. But it can make the hangover feeling go away a little bit. A little bit. I don't super advise it. And then prairie oysters are raw egg yolk and Tabasco sauce, and some, like, pepper, and Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) How do you say that word? Isn't it Worcestershire? Sure. Yeah, Worcestershire. I feel like it has more letters than that. Yeah, but that's just (laughs) England, right? (laughs) It's like Like, Worcestershire. Maybe it's secretly a Welsh word. Mm -hmm. Like, the original spelling is actually like (laughs) Walter, And then, like, they did us a blessing by calling it Worcestershire. Yeah, and a little dab of that. And then you slurp down that egg yolk. Gross. Mm. Yeah, so for that one... uh, If it has Worcestershire sauce, it's probably not from the prairie then, right? It must be from, like, Worcestershire oysters. I don't know why it's called a prairie oyster. I don't know why it's called Worcestershire. Kind of neither one of those things really match up to what it is. But I've read some explanations for why people think it helps. None of them make any sense to me. Okay. Okay. So I think maybe it's just so gross (laughs) that (laughs) it makes you forget your troubles a little bit or something on the way down. But people have put out ideas like, oh, it helps with the detoxification of the acetaldehyde or something like that. But usually when you feel the worst from your hangover, all that stuff's already detoxified. Right. So I don't really, I can't see how it helps with anything. It comes back to the metaphysics of it. Which metaphysics of it? Well, the thing that, you know, we're coming to the end of this episode. And, yep. and the thing that we have have scant discussed, as per usual, is that hangovers are a result of sin. And they're a result <laughs> of the sinful decisions you've made. And it's prayer that heals them. But not prayer to the dead god we pretend still reigns, who wow. died in the fires of World War One. Prayer shit. to Petri Dish. Sign up to our Patreon. Sign up and pray at all <laughs> to... <laughs> Patreon.com slash dish oh Pray, god. sir. Pray, madam. Oh my god. Remove that hangover. Oh. Listen to us weekly. Tweet us at <laughs> petrydish.twitter.com slash pray. You, you cock. Why do you not even know our Twitter handle? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. That's pretty good. Woo! Yeah. Okay. But yes, you can tweet at us at Dish Podcast. I handle the Twitter account, so if you have something mean you want to say about Nathan, you can pass it along to me, but just recognize, don't yell at me on Twitter. I'll just pass it along to Nathan. Sean insults me enough that it, I won't even realize <laughs> someone had tweeted him. All right, He'll all, say, you son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, well, it's another Monday. <laughs> so, we have a Gmail, PetriDishPod at gmail.com. Nathan mentioned the Patreon. We should thank... Stacy song our sound engineer Brian Allen our art Lord and uh, thank you guys for listening ich benign science and alcohol <laughs> we'll see you guys next week